Tweet. Borderline inappropriate. I know, I know. <laughs> Thursday night loved it. 11 will like it. As soon as it hit, as soon as the bass hit and the lights came on Thursday night, I walked on stage and I said, How do you think 9 o'clock is going to do? And they were like, We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Um, welcome to Kesed. Thank you for being here. If, uh, if you've never been here before, I just really appreciate you giving church a chance. Church is a kind of a confusing place, especially if uh, you didn't have a good experience, like a lot of us in this room. Uh, Kesed is a place for people who are spiritually curious. It's a place for people who are deeply devoted to Jesus. It's a place for artists, as you can see, with all the things they create. How, I mean, we had so many people in here working on this stage. They were so excited because we, we literally, we wanted to do this black and white sort of black licorice uh, theme and then I ended up with a stage with racing stripes, which I think as a car guy is legit. So all the other car guys in the room are like, all right, it's a GT. All right, I know now. I know. Uh, it's, uh, it's just going to be a fun series. So I'm going to kind of intro it for you today, and then we're going to talk about how I, how I think it's going to bless us as a community. Uh, we touched at the close of our last series, Church, on this idea of world stirring, and that as Christ followers, we are called, without a doubt, to not just like walk into people's lives and, and point to Jesus, we're actually called to walk into people's lives and stir the person of Jesus in us into their lives. Meaning, Jesus is the light of the world, we know that. But then he goes on to say that you all, as Christ followers, those of us who have committed to Christ, we are the lights of the world as well. That we cannot hide our light, which is Jesus under a bush, that we need to go out into the world and shine that light. And I think sometimes what happens in church is we get to church so we can protect ourselves from the darkness instead of coming to church so we can refill our light and move out into the world where the darkness exists. And those are very different agendas. Those are very different ideas around what it means to be a Christian. As a matter of fact, you can, you can tell people who understand the importance of this just by their social life because not everybody they hang out with is a Christ follower. And it's pretty easy to find people of great likeness if you try hard enough. People in a church community will also often only hang out with people in a church community. So there's, there's really never a chance to share the gospel. You can talk about Jesus and how much you love him, but to actually explain who he is through the way that you live means you have to live alongside people who don't know Jesus. And for a lot of us, uh, that's difficult because people outside are different. And different is not something that the church has celebrated ever. And so that is what this series is about. It's about celebrating the beauty of difference that God has woven into his creation and his creatures. Now, I want to be very clear, since this is the opener, that uh, I have no underlying agenda. Because I, I know right away that the question then becomes, well, how different is okay? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not my job to, to, to figure that out. My job is just to teach the beauty of difference that scripture highlights and to give us all some context and some kind of handlebars for how we navigate this world in the midst of so many different kinds of people. But I'm not here to draw lines for you. That's not what Kesed does. That's not what the Bible does, by the way. It, it's all about creating tension so that you have to go to God and you have to go to Scripture and you have to maybe turn off the podcast and turn down the preacher and actually spend time with the Lord and go, okay, Lord, who are you calling me to come alongside? And who is, who is not something you're calling me to? And those things are okay because, as Chandra's saying, uh, this is about a personal connection to the Lord, not about uh, some great and incredible teaching that will transform your life, which I hope it does. But I don't think that's really where the transformation comes from at all. 
Genesis 1, 24 through 25. I'm going to start off there because I think it's a great verse about highlighting how important difference is to God. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. It goes on and on and on to talk about their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, verse 25, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And the livestock according to their kinds. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. He saw that all of the difference was good. He saw that the, the ecosystem of how things operate in the world is good, that we have different seasons for different operations. We have a season of growth and a season of harvest. We have things that fly and things that creep. And how weird would it be if things that fly were like, you know what, I just want to up my creep game. I don't really want to fly anymore. I'm just going to be the same. And everything became the same. God says, no, look at the difference that I created, the various kinds all throughout Scripture. And there's many examples of this if you want to go deep dive into this of God highlighting that he is the creator of difference and that his idea of perfect difference is actually that everything lives in synchrony. It's similar to this idea of a symphony, right? A symphony is a whole bunch of instruments that are completely different, but they're playing the same song in a different way that complements each other. The opposite word for symphony is actually this word cacophony, and when you look up the definition, my favorite one is it's the sound of, of dishes on a shelf that's being overturned. Which is really interesting, right? Because they're all the same dishes, which means they all should make the same sound, which means they should sound beautiful, shouldn't they? Because they're all the same. But because there is no rhythm, there is no difference, there is no harmony, the, the sound is painful. It's, 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 it's broken and it's sad. This idea, I think, is carried throughout Scripture. I'll give you this quote. Hatred for diversity doesn't reflect love for the one who created it. I think if you just, if you just are really honest and you just struggle with anything different than you, uh, and you really are someone who believes in a creator, you believe in a, maybe you're, on, maybe you're spiritually curious, you believe in a spiritual force, or maybe you're a straight-up Christian like me, I believe any time that we approach difference from a hatred standpoint, we are missing the entire point of it. We are approaching the symphony from, a, from a, a, a cacophony standpoint. And I think we miss all the music when we do that. Uh, some of you know that uh, I, at first five years of my married life, uh, teenage into married life, uh, I did heavy construction. So I know that I probably, you probably picked up on that just based on how I, how I look and operate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I, uh, I did underground, I ran heavy equipment, I drove truck for just a little while, I ended up becoming a land surveyor because those guys, you know, get to sit in the truck a lot and then show up and point at things, and I was like, I can do that, right? So, uh, and, and, I, and I liked it, but I, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. And I remember one time that uh, I was on my way to a job site, and, uh, and I refused to get a truck, by the way, because I'm a car guy, right? I'm a sports car guy. And I didn't care how rough the roads were. I didn't care how, you know, if it was before or after, uh, you know, we had done the rough. And it didn't matter. I was going to drive my lowered sports car to the site because I was determined to be who I was. And I remember one time I was driving to the site early in the morning, not really liking my life or my job. And the one thing I really did like that I finally discovered was this specific haircut at the time that I was really proud of. And I was sitting at a stoplight, and I was like, I think this haircut might work. This might be the haircut that I'm going to keep all summer. I think it might be. And I started playing with the haircut on my way to the job site. And behind me was one of the foremen from the site in his huge truck with, like, 
his like, like huge, you know, impressive mustache and beard. And I didn't realize he was watching me, but all of a sudden there was one of those awkward moments where my eyes that were looking at me shifted to his eyes looking at me. And all he did was this. <laughs> and I was like, I have got to get into a different trade, right? This is not, it was just, it was just this weird reaction that I was like, Hey, I can do this. I'm a hard worker. I figured it out. I mean, I did it for off and on for five years, and, and, and it was fine. But I realized early on that I was not built to do that. If you've ever been around a man or woman built to build things, built to, to, to work in that way, there's an anointing to shoveling, and I am dead serious. There is a gift to someone who can shovel versus someone else who can't. As a matter of fact, my son-in-law, uh, my, my daughter, obviously uh, has her husband who now has been working for a long time to become a lineman. And I remember being like, oh, I can connect with him on this construction level because I know how hard that is and I know what a struggle it is. And so I was like determined to be like, hey, uh, Gabe, I just want you to know I get it. The first few years are hard, but you'll get better at it. And sometimes the guys are sort of rough, you know, and, but you're going to get better at it. And so I set aside some time to check on him in his first, like, two weeks of the job. And I was like, Gabe, man, I just want to check on you. Like, how's, how's the job? And he turns to me and he goes, you're not going to believe it. And I was like, oh, I believe it. Tell me. Tell me. I get it. And he goes, I got to dig a hole for seven straight hours on Friday. Just me in the hole. You, it's unbelievable how much I did, how much I accomplished. And I was like, amen, amen. I, you know, me too, I get it, but I didn't get it. I'm just telling you here right now, I didn't get it. But he has a gift for that trade, and he loves that trade. How many people are just like, yes, if I could just dig a hole for seven hours, that would be like the best day of my yeah, two of you. Right. It's a very rare anointing. Here's my point. We are supposed to be celebrating the differences that we see in and around this world because of their beauty, their usefulness, and because they are the work of our Father in heaven. We should be okay that some people are made for it and some people aren't. And as a matter of fact, this just a tiny, tiny little soapbox I want to step on. The job that I have isn't a better job than the job that my son-in-law has. Like, there'd be no electricity in this building without the job he has. And many of the other jobs that many of us do. And it isn't about me upgrading from construction to this other place. It's about me recognizing I'm not built to do this. And if I was supposed to run, you know, uh, 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 a traco for the rest of my life, but I was on stage preaching to you, I'm just here to tell you that would be me missing my calling. Because... Obedience is the ultimate definition of success. If you want to know, people all the time are like, hey, where's Kessa's going? What is success? Like, when are you going to have enough? And I'm like, we don't have any of this. We're stewarding all of this. So first off, the tone isn't right. This is all God's, and we're going to give it all away to the next generation. That's our job. But the reality is, if you want to define success for your life, all you need to do is be obedient to God. Because if God called me to quit right now and move with my family to China to be a missionary, or God called me to move and sell exotic sports cars and just test drive them and make sure they're okay for their owners, <laughs> then I would do that for Jesus. I need you to know that. <laughs> I would do that for Jesus. So it's not about this hierarchy of success. It's about being obedient to how you're made it's about being obedient to how you're different, and it's about being okay with the fact that some people just are called to do different things. Now, let's talk about the church. The church, generally speaking, is not that okay with different. Instead, the church actually says different isn't cool, and the goal is to be normal. But 
what's normal mean? And, and I think we all know just based on like the fad of socks. I mean, just watch basketball players in socks. They go from their knees, right, to their ankles, to the mid, you know, calf, to the, to the, to the knees, to the ankle. Like fads change. Normal changes. Life changes. And so we have to be very careful with this. And to highlight this, uh, here in just a moment, I'm going to give you the results of our black licorice survey that we sent out. We had hundreds of people respond to the survey. If you didn't get a survey, it's probably because you may not have the app. Uh, the app has a push notification that we do some surveys through if we want to find information to talk about, uh, in this case, how we're all different. Now, to start off, not in the survey, and because I really want to ask the question if, <laughs> I want to ask the question if there's people like this that exist in this service, did you know that through many discussions, we discovered uh, a theme that there are people, this is mind-blowing to me, there are people that when they put their shoes and socks on in the morning, there's the proper way, <laughs> the normal way right? Which is to put your sock on, and then your sock on, and then your shoe on, and then your shoe on. Like, like this is how you do shoes, people. But we found out there's an entire rebellious section of people who, honest to the Father, put their shoes on sock, shoe, sock, shoe, like, you literally have just a barefoot with a fully tied shoe and sock at one point in this transition. And so we're just going to be honest because it's a safe place for those who don't fit in. This is a safe place. But if you put your shoes on sock, shoe, sock, shoe, I just want you to own it and just raise your hand. Yes, I know people around. One lady goes, no. Yes, that's an actual thing. That's what this survey highlights is there's actually not a proper way, of course, but there is what we thought was the proper that clearly is going to be blown away. So let's roll through some of these. We asked 12 questions. Here's the first one. Which do you prefer, black or red licorice? Clearly the survey's broken. Uh, we also had a few people stuck at the door because they just couldn't decide. They just couldn't decide black or red. They were like, I just don't know. I'm torn. This wasn't a spiritual question in order to get into church. It was just, it was just important. I'm a black licorice person. Uh, that, yep. 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 You know what? I will, I'll receive that for Jesus. There's a boo for Jesus up there. And a, I, have also, I also believe because uh, of that flavor profile that existed at the time that I could probably prove theologically that Jesus was also a black licorice person, I think. I think, I think maybe I could, but we're not going to because 69% of you would be offended. Next question. Uh, how do you eat your burger and fries? Burger first, fries first, or together? Apparently, uh, most of us eat it together, but uh, yeah, 23.5% eat first fries. My wife is a fries first person. She will literally say, give me the fries, and they will be gone before we get home because she likes her fries hot. I don't understand it, and it bothers me, but, but it's true. Next question. When going out to eat, if the food isn't what you expected, do you eat it anyways or do you send it back? Uh, I used to be a send it back person and then I was scarred. I was traumatized around this. Um, I uh, was actually out at a diner here in town with a large group of my family, extended family, and I wanted, we were celebrating something so I took everybody out and the waitress was terrible to us, like terrible, specifically to me, just the way she talked and everything else. But I was on my good behavior. We didn't send anything back. And at the end, she brought me the check. And then she said to me very quietly, well done, you passed. And I said, I don't know what you mean. And she goes, oh, I go to your church. I just wanted to see how, what it would take in order for you to be. 
And that's when she said, and I love red licorice. And I was like, yep, you seem like a red licorice person to me. All right, next. <laughs> next, mayonnaise, yes or never. Apparently, we are a hardcore mayonnaise church. I did have one person come up offended, where's the Miracle Whip? And I was like, bro, I can't cover it all. But uh, so I, that's good to know. Next, <laughs> best French fry shape. I don't even know what to do with this, but... Uh, uh, apparently, classic wins out in this one, right? Is that right? Or no? Uh, which You're further back with the colors. Which one wins out? All right, classic wins out. Yeah, so 8.5% uh, of you are crinkle people, and you probably should stop because it's just not very respected, apparently. Next. Uh, favorite weather between the two. <laughs> I thought this was awesome. You all live in the wrong place. That's what I'm saying. All right, next. Uh, what flavor should green taste like? This one was interesting, right? I, I want it to taste like apple, but it just should be lime. That's what it seems like to me, but obviously uh, that's what it is. So next. Do you eat the heel of the bread? Also interesting, yes and no. I had some people come up with great judgment to all the people who don't, and they're like, they're all just wasters. Which means you must not really like it. You're just doing it for, like, the, the world. Like, you eat the heel of the bread for the world so that there's no waste. So that's, that's good. Okay, next. Nike or Adidas? There's really no question on this one. So uh, Nike, yep. Next. Uh, do you put cereal or milk in the bowl first? I know. I know. Let me tell you. Hey, don't argue with me. Let me tell you. We had people come up who said who actually said to us, because this was such a low percentage, can you introduce me to other Milk First people? I didn't know there were others of us out there. <laughs> I guess there's a thing about putting milk in a bowl, taking the cereal box with you, and then just putting just the proper amount of cereal uh, versus soggage, I, I guess, if you will. <laughs> Is that a word? Is that? Soggage will work, right? You're, if you don't care about soggage, then you're just pour it in there with the milk. But if you have a high soggage tolerant, uh, Apparently, you put it in, and that's a thing. So uh, I'm not going to start. I mean, you guys, we do meetups. You could start a Milk First meetup if you wanted. And you guys could all get together and just pour milk and cereal and be like, my people. So think about it. Next. Android or Apple? I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. We voted. It doesn't matter if you yell at the screen, but that's... That's cool. <laughs> Next. Next. All right, last one. Do you put the toilet paper over or under? And we are over, people. Yes. I actually want you to know this one was the most passionate, one of the higher uh, voted same uh, 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 things that we took on the test. And I want you to know many different over people said they are so committed to over that if they go to your house and you're an under person, they will quietly change it to over, which I think is wrong. Like I get to put the toilet paper where I want in my house, but apparently there's a group of people who say no. Uh, by the way, we want to keep some of this up. So if you would like to share more ways in which you are not normal, celebrating difference, uh, you can email those to blacklicorice@kessachurch.com. Because uh, <laughs> we want to hear. And maybe the, the more different, the better. I won't be able to use them all, but we'd love to hear more things. And uh, it is anonymous, so feel free to share about your spouse. That's just, <laughs> we welcome that here. So we want to hear that. Um, obviously, I think we can see why a series like this is so important. Why it's so important to sit with text and 
sit with this idea that God wants to celebrate the differences in our lives. Difference is important, and yet many Christians teach it as something that came from the sin or from sin or the fall. This idea that in the garden everything was good and everything was perfect and everything was the same, and then there was sin and brokenness entered the world and everything became different. And then once we're with God again, it'll all be back to the same, and that's simply not the truth. The reality is inside the garden things were different, and difference has always been part of God's plan and is therefore actually what's most normal, is for us to sit in that space. I want to talk about how God delights in the plethora of differences in his human creatures and in the fact that they all kind of look and feel and talk and walk and even want different things. This is why he gave us different skills and different strengths so that we would recognize our need for one another while still appreciating our own individuality. Uh, Throughout scripture, this illustration is kind of presented as a body, and that's the text I'm going to read in 1 Corinthians 12, if you want to turn there, but the verse will be on the screen. Uh, I want to be very clear, too, that uh, I'm not talking about um, differences between holiness and sin. I'm not talking about something that's like, well, this is different, but the church is fine with it, even though it's, according to God, something that's actually damaging to a person. Uh, I think the church is afraid oftentimes to talk about being different because it feels like it has to start qualifying these different things. The Bible's pretty clear about what's sin and what's not sin, and that's not what I'm celebrating. What I'm wanting us to celebrate is how different and unique every person in this room is and how sometimes our differences make us uncomfortable with one another. And yet, how important it is for us as a church family, as a growing church, trying to figure out sort of who we are. If I was to to say uh, who Kesset is, Kesset is very much a uh, kind of a prepubescent, like like young adults, like kind of coming into this this season of being mature and being able to accomplish great things in the kingdom. And we're trying to sort of figure out how we all fit together. And we're maybe a little gangly here. And we're trying to figure out, is, is our voice going to crack here? And we're just trying to, to, to become our own person. And it changes, by the way, every time a new family or a new person walks in the room with a new set of gifts. Every time. And if there's not room for difference, then what will happen is, a certain part of the church will stay the same because leaders will say, well, this is how we've always done it, and then there'll be no room for who God is bringing to develop that next season. I believe right now in this room there are leaders, there are parts of the body that are absolutely undeveloped, and you are not uh, functioning and participating in the church community. Maybe not this church, Kingdom Church, Church with a capital C. Either way, how you're supposed to be. You've either been kind of boxed in to think, well, this is the only person I'm supposed to be in God's economy, or you've just never actually tried because you saw other people fail or become judgmental or become arrogant. And I just want to say all of those things are valid, but they all are still excuses. And that the most fulfilled you could be is being obedient and finding great success in the Lord using the gifts you have, no matter matter what. Uh, I, I, a long time ago, there was a lady in our church who I thought really illustrated this really well. And uh, she made uh, blankets for, for brand new babies. Like, like they, were, they were incredible. She was quiet. You would have never even knew she existed. But somehow she always found out when there was a baby being born. Always. And all of a sudden, she would just walk up, and it was like the blanket and the baby just became one. It was like she, it was her gift. And even people she didn't know well. And that gift, by the way, is just as important as preaching week after week, because that's who God called her to be. I think there's a ton of that in the church right now. 
a ton of it, that is not being exercised because people are afraid or because people have been hurt or because people didn't realize there's different parts of the body and they just didn't realize they could fit in. 1 Corinthians 12 says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He wants them to know how to exist. They're growing. They're, they're maturing. So this is what he says. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink, the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Then listen how he starts to describe the body. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, listen carefully, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Closing line, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. This, this is, there's no truer passage here than for our season right now at Kesset, I think, than this one. And I think what happens is the church leans into the things that, like I said earlier, protect us from the darkness. And so we, we kind of we really hone in on, on upgrading the parts of the body that do that. So maybe we take the hands and the feet that are supposed to do serving and helping and we turn them into fists. And we turn our feet into well-booted weapons. And then we stand at the door of the darkness and we say, come in if you know Jesus. Here's the special knock of communion and baptism or whatever other thing that, that we decide is the, is the pass fail. And then we stand there and we're like, we are one body. Join us against this war on evil. And God's like, wait a second. What about the ears and the eyes? What about the mouths? What about the, the other things the hands do or the other things the feet can carry us to? He says all of these things are important, no matter how small, no matter how public, whether it's a preacher under lights or a lady in the back making blankets. Do you know this woman in the back on her own eventually decided that even the babies that were, uh, that were lost early during pregnancy I think we had a, a, a baby that was stillborn. Even those babies, she would find out about, and she would make them blankets because that was her part of the body. And she was like, I see you, and you're important, and you're valuable. And there was no amount of counseling that I could sit with that mother and father, uh, that woman especially, and console than I could to put her in a room with a woman who said, I see you, and here's a blanket for your baby. This is what we're supposed to do. 
This is, this is what we're supposed to do. But to do it, we have to be authentic about the fact that diversity in the church is not taught well. Diversity is a beautiful part of being human, and we need to accept it, and we need to see it. Jesus himself celebrated all of the diversity around him with unapologetic enthusiasm, even when he was criticized for it. As a Jewish male, he did not follow the pattern at all of typical Jewish males of his day by sticking to his own type and avoiding those who were different. Or in his day, the people who were different were actually determined unclean. Instead, he crossed those lines. He mingled with, welcomed, healed, taught, and ultimately saved people of every race and background and skin color and even lifestyle. Jesus refused to take part in the hatred-producing, self-exalting exclusion that is a natural, though evil, tendency among human beings. This is and always has been the very unique posture of Christ and is something that we continue to need to receive from him. With that kind of lens, look at a few of the verses about Jesus. This one specifically from him, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Jesus is speaking. This is what he says to them and to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying here, I'll hold the heavy things that are weighing you down in exchange for you holding my goodness, acceptance, and love. He's saying what makes you, you, both the beautiful stuff and the stuff that, that, that came down generationally, the stuff that maybe you don't even know about that's weighing you down and bringing damage to your life, that's the stuff Jesus is like, I'll take that, I'll hold that in exchange for you understanding what it means to be accepted and loved in spite of your differences. How about when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says this, Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He defines them as very, very different than the church that is exploding. And then he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I love this last line, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That's, that's the only way through that I can see that human beings will ever fully be able to set down their differences and become one is if they first recognize their, their separation from God and their need to be one with him, the creator of who they are. In other words, Jesus says, I'll hold the distance between God and you in exchange for you holding hope and homecoming. And that in and of itself draws people to Jesus. And when I'm drawn to Jesus and you're drawn to Jesus, guess what slowly happens over time? We're drawn together in his name and the dividing parts of our relationship actually becomes things that the world celebrates because they're like, how could you and you possibly go to the same church? You guys are radically different. And yet we can say, but Jesus isn't. And he holds us together. Last one, another letter to a church, Colossians 1, 16 through 17. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus says, bring each and every difference, 
background and broken belief. Bring all your reasons and excuses to not live in unity with your fellow travelers. I will hold them all, and by doing so, I will hold you together. I don't know if you see this yet, but we are not creating a new thing in this series. We're not teaching something fresh. We are acknowledging an old and already established and proven truth. And that's this, I'll put it on the screen, that we can hold the differences of one another inside our own relationship with Jesus who does the truest holding. We don't have to figure out like, well, how do I get stronger at holding people with just completely radical different, different viewpoints in life? The answer is you hold Jesus. Okay, yes, but how do I, how do I be Jesus? And I'm like, no, you don't, you don't be Jesus. There's only one Jesus. You just hold Jesus. And he brings forth things inside your story. And hopefully you have enough kind of like self-awareness to be like, oh, these are kind of different things that I, that I wrestle with, different than my brother, different than my sister. And you don't hide those things from the world. This is one thing you will not hear at Kesed is me telling you about struggles I used to have back in the day. I used to really wrestle with this back 20 years ago. Good thing I overcame it so I could lead all you poor fools. Right, that's really what most of the pastors who preach that way are saying. And it's like, well, do you not struggle with anything? I struggle with so much. I struggle with the whole branding thing. I've, I've been saying it forever and ever and ever. The way that churches just want to brand pastors and, and turn them into logos. And I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. And yet it still continues to happen. As a matter of fact, someone told me recently, my brand is that I don't want to be branded. What? You're so different. Like your whole thing is like, don't brand me. You're like a don't brand guy. And I was like, stop, stop. And you know why I don't want to do it? It's not because it wouldn't be fun. It's not because it wouldn't be cool. I'll just say it straight up because you're 9 o'clock, the most mature service out of all that we have. You can hold this. I don't think my ego could handle it. And I've seen better men than me, better women than me. I've seen better people in the Bible than me who get raised to a point that they no longer look at the beauty of God. They look at the beauty of the thing God does through them. And all of a sudden, they just begin to self-worship. And I just don't think my ego can handle it. And I'm like wrestling with that like right now. The idea is that, but if I hold Jesus, then he can do whatever he wants with this church or with my life. He, if he's the brand and he's the thing we're lifting everything to, then I really believe this. During, during worship, I sat in the back, and I don't get a lot of these, but I truly believe this, that I felt like God during worship, just during the song I was singing, was like, I'll take Kesed as far as you're willing to make me the beautiful thing. But the second you start to look at one another as the beautiful thing, or as the organization that I'm leading as the beautiful thing, that's where I'll pause it. Not because I don't want to do something more, but because it would hurt you in order. Us, by the way, not just me. It would hurt the community that I want to be a light in. We have to be people who know this about ourselves. Now, that's not everybody. There are pastors who God has built to, to, to blow up and make public and brand on top of brand on top of brand. And they probably have... Like, like way better egos than I do, right? Stronger, more humble, all those things. I think that's great. I, I just not made that way. And so I guess I just want to know as a church, if that's different than everybody else's, and I can say it, what can you say is different about you? And if we can all lay our differences before Jesus, then maybe that will become our new normal. And maybe you will all eventually get to the incredibly high spiritual place that I am of only eating black licorice. Maybe. But we'll have to see if the Holy Spirit still wants to work in that powerful way. <laughs> I want to say one last thing before I wrap up. Um, 
Some of you in this series, uh, you're curious how this is going to play out because you have always felt different. You have always felt like you didn't fit in. You have always felt like you didn't belong. Uh, and, 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 and I think that's made you feel not very valuable, not very seen, not very heard. And I guess I just want you to know that, uh, that even if, if uh, the rest of this kind of fell flat, it just didn't really work well. But, but you got to see how important Jesus believes that you are, how valuable Jesus knows that, that you are. I just want you to know in my heart of hearts, this church, and I believe the Holy Spirit prompting this series, would have done the entire thing just for you just for you because you do belong and you are valuable and you are worthy and your difference does matter and it is a beautiful part of who you are and and the story you're telling and I would love to 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 create a space inside our community here where people who are different can feel like they can they can engage with their faith with their with their curious journey I believe that we are a part of something special right now, and I, I really, honest to goodness, believe that it is ours to wreck. That as long as we can make him the beautiful thing and not look at each other, that as long as we can understand that we also are different, we also were on the outside for many years, and as others come in, we create space in our ministries and our rows. We create space at restaurants for servers who test. We create space for people who are different than us, because, listen, that lady who tested me, I know the room went like, oh. But part of me was like, okay. You don't think people tested back in the Bible the faith of those that they saw around them? I think people do test when we stand out and say we're different. And I think we should just accept that and invite it into who we're supposed to be. It should not be an excuse. It should be a reason to make normal the fact that God wants to use all of us in this place to do a really extraordinary, beautiful thing in our community. And I hope you'll join me. So the series will be a blast. I think it's about six weeks. And uh, the whole thing's going to be the celebration tone. So uh, sorry if the bass is a lot at 9 o'clock, but it's not going away for a minute. So, uh, But I love being part of this church with you. Thank you so much for uh, joining and uh, just, uh, just gathering together on this Sunday morning. Would you please stand? We'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, you do what you want to do with, with today. With the awakenings and the feelings, maybe the exposure that happened during worship, with uh, maybe some promptings that happened during the message. Maybe there's some really different conversations than usual that need to be had. Maybe there's some quiet times. Maybe there's uh, some seeking, some searching, some repenting, some confessing. Lord, we want to be uh, who you've called us to be. We want to be obedient. We want to find success in not what the world says, but in how well we love those around us. And so, God, I pray that you would use our differences to highlight that it shouldn't work and give us the ability to point to you as the reason why it does. We are grateful, God, that you've uh, called us together. Thank you for every family, every single person every fellow traveler in this room, we just lift this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming. God bless. See you soon.